Hi, welcome back to Not So Southern Gentlemen. I am Ricky. I'm Sean. Dude, so, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, we've just celebrated our Thanksgiving holiday, and families, and people, and work, and craziness. We did <laughs> holidays are always days. crazy. Yeah, we, we did about two days of straight driving around, appeased the parents that be. Now, here's a question, since we're on the topic. What is your typical Thanksgiving... I mean, when you you eat Thanksgiving, what are you sitting down to? Just turkey? No, no. We usually... I mean, do you want sides and stuff? Oh, yeah. You want to know what... Because people get yeah. some weird stuff. If you get if you actually sit down and talk about people... Oh, I can't wait to look... I'm looking forward to this. You're, what? Okay. What do you okay. eat? Well, I had, I had turkey, obviously. We had... Uh, my family does fried Cajun turkey. Oh. So we had a deep fried Cajun turkey, some homemade rolls, some corn. I actually had some French fries as well. And then... Did you just did say French fries? Yeah. That's unusual. <laughs> well, it's me, dude. I'm a picky eater. Picky is not the word I would use, but please continue. And then uh, I had a uh, chocolate pecan pie for dessert, and that was quite delicious. Now, you have two separate, correct? Right. In-laws. That was at my and, parents' yeah. house. And then at the at my in-laws' house, uh, it was almost the same thing. Turkey, rolls, corn, stuff like that, you know. People make stuff because they know I'm picky and I eat it. And, yeah, I feel bad because people have to make stuff specially for me because I'm such a picky eater. But, you know, I love them for it. We went to my mom and dad's first, and we had plain Jane, turkey. Uh, my mother fixes a dish that is traditional that nobody else does. It's uh, rice, cheese, and broccoli casserole. It's the only way I, I used to eat broccoli, and it is amazing. It's amazing, especially a little burnt edge. Oh, so good. Uh, now, at my, my wife's grandmother's, her cousin brought fried ham and fried deep fried turkey but it was rendered it was fried and rendered hog fat and it was well, amazing that, that sounds pretty yummy <laughs> it was anyway our holidays went well uh, no crazy stories no uh, uh uh national lampoons worth of uh you know misadventures but moving into our bread and butter here we have lost Ron Glass, who was Shepard Book in Firefly. Oh man. I know, man. 2016 cannot get over soon enough. We've lost so many greats this year, and just to add another one on it. Yeah, Shepard was, uh, you know, really funny. I mean, the all the whole cast was really good in Firefly. That's, that's why it's so classic. But uh, Shepard was a, a very good, strong character that, uh, you know, you really looked at it wasn't just uh, you know funny well he w- he was the moral guidance yet he knew where the line had to be bent in order for them all to survive right i mean he he was he was awesome isn't there something in the bible about killing people and he's like yeah there is but it's a little vague on aiming for kneecaps <laughs> <laughs> oh joss i love you man um <clears throat> How excited are you for Rogue One? We're about oh uh, two weeks out for the premiere, and I tell you, I can't stop watching. I did not want to watch TV spots, 
But I keep running into them, and I keep watching them, and I can't wait. Okay, I'll say this. I'm so excited. I am excited. But I personally, and maybe there's something wrong with me, I don't have the same hype as I had for Episode 7. Well, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of that is, you know, this is really the first risk Disney is taking with the Star Wars films being... Because it's original. Yeah, it's not a continuation. It is... I mean, you could argue that it's not really original. That it's, of course, this story took place. We know what's going on. We know the end result. The story itself, we don't know. So, I mean, in that fashion, uh, we don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like the end of Titanic. You know the boat's gonna ship, but you don't or sink, but you don't know how it's gonna get there. Yes, you we did. The, Iceberg. You know what I meant. <laughs> I hate you sometimes. I know it. You you know that we're gonna get the stolen plans for the Death Star, but how do we get them? And right. remember, people, no Bothans died for this one. Are you sure? Yes. You don't know that. Yes. You're positive. If one dies, it's one too many. Then call me out. I okay. Wanna... I'll be happy to hear it. I'm I'm excited to see this though. I I will be uh, seeing it. So you think opening weekend? Uh, is that the 17th, right? I believe so. I think so. Then I'm down. I'm down. I I should be good to go if I'm not working. But speaking of us seeing movies, I still have not seen Doctor Strange. <sighs> I know, dude. If you only knew the amount of go 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 I've had. There has been no time for stop at all. But it crossed $600 million this week. Worldwide. Worldwide. And you were telling me that it's not even technically open worldwide yet. No, it opens on Japan in Japan on the January 27th. So it still has money to make. Right. More than likely, Japanese are going to eat up some Doctor Strange. Right. It, it, it'll be really fun. Um, and also... Doctor Strange setting this mark has also now broken the box office record for any Marvel introductory film. Hulk, Iron Man, Captain America, the it, it beat all of those. That's pretty awesome. Now, here's the question. Do you think that it broke the record because it is that good or because the hype train is rolling so heavy for the MCU that it's just pulling people in whether they're they know what they're going to see or not. I think Iron Man would have done better being another film, but seeing as how it launched uh, the franchise, um, yeah, I, I think that does have some to do with it. That more and more people are just coming in, going, "Hey, all these films are are great," and it's building on the success of the other ones. I don't see Doctor Strange opening in 2007 and doing this, uh, and doing an Iron Man number. You are correct. Uh, but it is a really great film. I mean, like I said in my review, it does things that you expect it to do, but it does them in a different manner. Uh, the, like, the end fight is the perfect example of that. Of course, what's happening is going to happen, but it's happening in a completely different way. And they're having to deal with a whole new set of problems because of that. And, uh, you know, I was really surprised and happy to see it. Um, I can't wait to see this movie again. I'm going to see it again when it gets to the mailbox. I'm going to buy it the day it comes out on video. I'll, I'll be there with you. I just need to make it before it leaves my local theaters. And also, we had some uh, we have some TV news. It looks like Michelle Yeoh from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 
is going to be in the new Star Trek Discovery series. I thought this was very interesting. That's going to be cool. Now, Star Trek Discovery, that's the one that we had spoken about on previous podcasts. It's going to be the, like the anthology type series. Yes, the CBS uh, on their app is going to have this series. And uh, Discovery is the first season or the name of the whole uh, the name of the whole show and it would be anthology like the first season is going to be about the ship to discovery the next season could be about the kobayashi maru the third season could be about just uh, uh cadets at starfleet academy um right <coughs> anyway that's the way they spoke about the series now it could be which has happened like with um stranger things uh, is supposed to be the same way, but they are continuing to season two of episode of season one instead right. of moving to a different story because of the success. So, if Discovery takes off and is really popular, the second season may be just another uh, season of that. So, uh, yeah. either way, if it's if it's good material, I'm happy to see it. And bringing Michelle Yeoh, who if you've never watched any any martial arts films with Michelle Yeoh in them, she's very talented. Uh, she's a great actress, very believable. I, I think she brings something that wasn't there before, so I'm happy to see her being cast. Yeah, it'll be awesome, man. And then we also got this week an animatic to the New Mutants movie they're working on, and this I was really excited about. Now, have you have you seen this link? I have not seen this link at all. Well, um, early on, in the like I was speaking to about the X Force movie, uh, Deadpool and X Force, and and I'd like to see some New Mutants being brought into it. Um, right. This really shows some of the things I really love about New Mutants. Like this animatic opens with them fighting the Demon Bear, which is an early New Mutants uh, saga. Uh, I mean, it was a, it was a big deal. There's like a multi-issue run of where they're uh, 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 fighting the Demon Bear. And this whole animatic is about that. And I was really glad to see that they were going for that kind of deep cut in, in the story. <clears throat> and of course, the Demon Bear is um, Danielle Moonstar. Her parents were affected by some... Uh, a demon and they're possessed by this spirit of a demon bear and she has to fight them and the new mutants help fight it and and that kind of thing. I can't go into the particulars of the story. I've, I've only got a couple of issues of it myself. But uh, the the original comics were had painted covers and uh, the insides were also done by the same artist who painted it. Bill Sienkiewicz who is a great artist. If you've never seen any of his work, pick up some of the New Mutants run or other things he has done. I was just going to say, before we move into Lost in Time, you realize what next weekend is for us? Oh yeah, Comic-Con Way is happening. Comic-Con Way, that's right. We finally, finally get another local con coming our way. It's about an hour away from me and, what, two and a half for you, dude? Because you're going to drive to my house and then... Then we'll drive to the Comic Con way together. Is probably the game plan. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So we and then uh, I don't know who we're going to get. I have seen so many cancellations and so many rebookings of different people. I haven't been on their page so long. I don't know who's coming and who's going. But either way. 
my goal, my Black Friday will be next Saturday because I'm about to go tear up some dollar bins, man. I'm about to go on a hunting spree and come away with some good stuff next week. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because a couple of things I'm going to be hunting for uh, refer to our comic story I wanted to talk about this week. I wanted to talk about uh, Marvel's mythology. And when, when I say that, they Marvel does this great job of they have a story point or a MacGuffin in a book or just an idea. And they play with that idea for several years, different books. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned it or not, but Marvel had this great thing of they'd have a box in the corner. Whenever they mentioned something, they would put, like, refer to Captain America 121. Right. And you'd want that book. You're like, wait, I like this story. What's going on? And they, they had their basically own indexing system in the comics where you could go back in and collect stuff related to what you like. And I, th- I thought that was amazing when I was a kid. I was like, oh, yeah. how did they do I mean, this was... People weren't doing this on a computer. They didn't have a database sitting out there that people were referring to. I wondered how they kept doing this. Oh, this happened in this issue. This is this. Well, one of the stories that I wanted to talk about is is a huge, sprawling mythology thing that talks about the Serpent Crown, that talks about the demon set. Now, are, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? It's Greek to me, man. <laughs> well, um... In Marvel, there is a elder god named Set, who is a seven-headed serpent demon. Okay, I know who Set is. And uh, throughout my history of reading Marvel, he was in the background. Like, he comes up in Conan stories, in Call the Conqueror stories. He may, may not be seen, but he's a god people are invoking, the bad guys are invoking when fighting people or... You may see like a serpent, like even in the like the Conan live action movie, you know, from the 80s. I always thought that I think that they're talking about set in there, but it may not be since it wasn't uh, um, a Marvel property in in movie wise. Um, But there was also related to set was a object called the Serpent Crown, which several characters have used throughout the history of Marvel. A guy named Destiny used it. Uh, Naga from, um, not Atlantis, but uh, underwater people. And it came up in Marvel 2-in-1s with the Thing. There was a great uh, Marvel 2-in-1 annual that had the Thing had brought this crown when he defeated a guy. He brought the Serpent Crown to Project Pegasus. Well, the crown took over because Set was able to extend his powers into the Marvel Universe through the crown. He took over Project Pegasus and they were accessing alternate dimensions to find other Serpent Crowns and merge them into one huge crown to try to bring Set back into the Marvel Universe. It all came to a head in a storyline. Now Marvel did an idea where instead of having like a huge book on its own crossover like Infinity Gauntlet, like Secret Wars, they started the idea with the evolutionary war of doing stories in annuals. So, like, the evolutionary right. war takes place in, like, 11 Marvel annuals, and that's the only place it appeared. Uh, well, the next year, in 89, they did the storyline called Atlantis Attacks, 
And this story was where the deviant uh, uh, lord, and I can't remember his name. It's like G-H-A-U-R. I can't pronounce that. <laughs> I don't know what that means. He had this idea to bring Set back to Earth, and he, like throughout the uh, graphic novels, he sets up this uh, uh, Atlantis who... Uh, Namer wasn't wasn't there at the time, and he set up the ruler of Atlantis to attack the Earth world, the, the land world, so he could secretly attack Atlantis and kill a bunch of uh, Atlantans to sacrifice them to Set. He had seven brides to Set, which was like the Scarlet Witch, uh, Sue Richards, Dagger, She-Hulk, just all the uh, female superheroes were going to be brides of Set, and they would have Set's children and bring them to Earth. And there was this huge epic, I think the last one is Avengers Annual, where it, 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 the spell goes off, and Set's coming to Earth, and Thor takes them all through a separate dimension, and they fight him in the astral plane, and ah, it was just a really great story. And all this stuff is interrelated to, you know, the the history of Marvel and the, the uh, Serpent Crowns and all that. And I love that. And this is not the only example of this. Marvel does this kind of stuff all the time, or they used to. That's awesome. And that's what I loved about Marvel Comics in, in my collecting days. Uh, and there are several other things you can look at throughout Marvel history that are like this. So that's that's just what I wanted to talk about today. That's cool. So have you used that indexing to take some notes on comics you're going to be hunting for next week? Um, you know, I did a lot of that when I was younger in my, my collecting, and I got most of those. Nowadays, I'm more looking for some separate kind of stuff. Uh, but, man, it, it, if you, attacks, if you I may go say, back and get some. If you were to say one book that you were going to look for next week that you're like, I would like to find that if it was at a reasonable price, what would you get? Um, well, right now I'm actually looking for those uh, supernatural thrillers. So first appearance of The Living Mummy, uh, number five, I think. Nice. If I have to pick one, you know what? I you, This is totally random and not in the notes, but I started watching Preacher this week. Oh, I heard that's so good. Oh my god, it's amazing. It, and I want to read... So my goal is to walk out of there with the Preacher graphic novel. I'd like to be able to read that. Because the show is just <clears throat> amazing. I got sucked in and could not get out. But as we get sucked into stuff, let's go lost in time, dude. Stuff from back in the day that we loved that we totally forgot about. <laughs> or cartoon. last last week we did totally forget about one, so please continue. Yeah, we totally forgot about yours. So, if you don't mind, let's start with a toy and start with yours so we can hear what you had last week. Well, last week, I I don't know how I blew past. I mean, we were we were rolling, but uh robotics. Did you ever have any robotics? Robotics. Now, it, is that like the toy that you put together? You know, like it had the mini wrench and the ratchet and stuff where you put together the toy? Kind of. It, robotics was kind of a, well, I mean, it names fix for itself. It's a robot with right. a controller that you would put together, and you could put together in, in several different ways. It actually had a cartoon. Uh, Peter Cullen voiced the... Uh, the Optim uh, Optimus Prime, the robot, the hero robot um, of that show. But the toys I never had, but I always wanted because it was that build-it robot 
you know, thing that, that we barely had in the 80s. I was watching a Christmas um, commercial from the 80s the other day. They were talking about a robot with a remote control. It was like $220, which would have been, in that time, equal to $400 today. Um, you know, Jeez. but it was even a thing back then. So robotics came in a big box. I mean, like Legos and constructs and uh, what else was there that came in those huge boxes? I mean, it was just oh, a, I know. it was something under your tree that was massive. And, yeah, when uh, you seen it, you're like, what oh am I getting? Oh my god! <laughs> yes, I'm getting something good. I'm getting something good. Yeah, and it was. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, the, these toys were. You know, kind of the good guys were kind of bone white and kind of uh, skeletal looking, which was kind of cool for a good guy to look that way. And then the bad guys, of course, were all black and red, I believe. Black, black yeah. um, uh, uh, parts with like red uh, accents and, sh- and windshields and kind of thing. Because you could, they were piloted looking uh, robots, but they, they were yes. in the show, they were portrayed as, and even, they even had comics. Uh, as living robots, so that's uh, that's one of the things I did did want as a as a child. Pretty cool, man. Yeah, I remember those. I remember the commercial. Now that you're talking about it, I don't know if I ever caught the cartoon or anything like that. Well, it was no. on with a. Uh, it was one of those block cartoons. Like something came on before it, and then and then you watch that, or the other way around. Right. right? It was like two cartoons, like. Uh, Oh, kind of how Silver Hawks and Street and Street Sharks were. I mean, you had to watch them at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yes. Well, mine was not my my toy for this week is not nearly as cool. It is the yo-yo ball. Now, you thought this was an infomercial toy? Did you really think this was an infomercial toy? I'd never seen them. I mean, the only the reason I said that is because the only time I ever saw those was on TV on commercial. Oh my goodness, dude! I probably still have a couple at my house. Like no lie, we found them just a couple of years ago, and we were playing with them. What they are is for people that suck at yo-yo. It's a spring-loaded ball that comes back to you. Uh, this what, this would be referring to me, by the way. I suck at yo-yo. You suck at yo-yo, really, dude? Absolutely. I, I I was horrible at it when I was a kid, but now you know I can walk the dog. I can do the cradle. I, I got bored for a short period of time in college and uh, learned to yo-yo quite well for some reason. Nice. But the yo-yo ball was fun. You know, it was like five or six bucks, spring-loaded. It was clear so you could see through it and you could see the gears and the gadgets and all the string because sometimes it got bound up and you could wiggle it and see what you had to do to put stress where to get it spun back in. But I just loved this thing. We loved it because... You could do outrageous tricks, like rather than just going, you know, using gravity, well, it was spring-loaded, so you could throw a thing outward at, you know, at your brother's face, per se, and then pull it back at the last second, snatching it from, you know, uh, I didn't let it hit you in the face, I just got close. I didn't touch you, I was just acting like I was going to touch you. It, It was just a fun toy, man, and, uh... As you can tell, both my brother and I both had yo-yo ball, and I cannot believe you've never seen one. I will, dude. It's a mission now. Next time I go to my parents' house, I will dig through the storage shed and find yo-yo ball. But do that, dude. I will. I will. I'll, I'll let your kids have it if 
That way they can torture you with it. It'll be awesome. I actually what? had another toy for this week since I missed the last week. Oh, oh you're trying to double up. Okay. I, I am. I'm going to catch up. Uh, and I mentioned them a second ago. Constructs. Do you know what constructs are? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I've actually had, uh, you know how constructs came in smaller boxes, some of the smaller toys? Mm-hmm. I, I had some smaller constructs. Okay. Yeah, constructs were basically a mini toy version of a construction site. I mean, you had bars and you had like a little square connector peg that had uh, um, mushroom pegs on every side. And it had um, blue plates, like the like the bars were gray and the plates were blue. And you could just build all different kinds of stuff with it. Like you had wheels that could connect to it and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it was... It had something to it I kind of really liked. And... I well, really I mean, had a fun, fun time playing with want, them. If you wanted to get it inventive, you know, you could take multiple construct sets and create something that you wanted to do. If you wanted to be a little engineer, you could. You know, that's what was fun about them is you could make the designs that came in the boxes or you could do your own thing, cr- mix multiple sets and just build whatever you wanted. It was really fun. Right, and it was more of, you know, Legos are one thing, but this was kind of something else. This You could make like a kind of an erector set kind of idea with constructs where you could make a bridge or you could build a house, but, I mean, it was more construction-like than than Lego was. So it, yes. it was a competitor for Lego, but it didn't last very long. But I, I liked it. What you got on the cartoon side this week? I know we normally go for little-known stuff. Uh, but I went for the less popular stuff this week. Mask. I, I really mask, had a dude. fun time with Mask. The Mask toys, really well done. You know, cars that turn into armored vehicles of a different kind. Not not Transformers, of course. Now, most people probably know what we're talking about when we, when we say Mask. Even They're even putting out new comics with Mask in it. But uh, the reason I wanted to bring this up was, you know... <sighs> Hasbro has had a hard time with their properties other than Transformers that are the things we loved from the 80s. Like G.I. Joe, they no longer have an active division in G.I. Joe, um, or or they severely reduced it. Uh, At one point, probably I think 10, maybe 8 years ago, they put a Matt Tracker figure in the G.I. Joe line with, with mask and everything. And I always thought that was one of the best ideas they could do is make, in the modern era, roll mask into the G.I. Joe line and, and, and keep it afloat that way, which um, mask could be a division of G.I. Joe, uh, Venom be a division of Cobra. That'd be, I mean, it seems very logical. I mean, they were they, made to fit together. Right, and they already make figures and vehicles in that one size. Of course, you know, mask figures weren't uh, weren't G.I. Joe, the three and three-quarter size. They were about two inches tall. So the vehicles were more manageable uh, sizes. They weren't G.I. Joe size. If you ever actually handle a G.I. Joe vehicle, some of them are pretty big. Yeah. Um, but these mask toys were just really great. I mean, like a Jeep that turned into like a watercraft and have in a separate part or a motorcycle that had a sidecar that turned into a little spacecraft and you know the jackhammer the four by four that stood up and had a tank turret on it 
you know, those kind of things were really fun as toys. Now, the cartoon uh, was also kind of fun, but it had the stereotypical kid and and the, the little robot that helped him out. And the opening was really exciting for that show. I mean, that song sticks with you. And the oh, yeah. cartoon itself, you know, was well, on the same lines as Transformers story-wise. The animation was okay. Uh, but, gosh, there's so much that they could do modernly with Mask. I would really like to see this come out. Now, like I said, we are getting a new comic with Mask in it. I'd like to see toys also. Doesn't sound like a bad idea, man. I'd definitely go for it. I mean, I'd probably pick up a couple to hang on the wall. Now, if we move into mine, I want to see if you know what it is when I say Pro Stars. This would be... Well, I'm th- I may be thinking of Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. What are you What are you talking about here? Pro Stars is Michael Jordan, oh, Joe Jackson, yeah. and, Wayne and Wayne Gretzky. That's right, dude. And they are superheroes, kind of, sort of. And they use their athletic ability to, uh, you know, save the day, to rescue uh, the people in distress, to beat down the bad guys. And I always thought it was fun because they were they were us, you know. I mean, obviously, in cartoon form, you know, they, they obviously had extra abilities and always pulled off amazing stuff and all this. But I always liked it because you're like, that's one of us. That's a human. That's, you know, that that's not a special person or anything like that. They don't have a special ability. They were just a very extremely talented person. And not to mention... At that time, I friggin' loved Bo Jackson and Michael Jordan. Never been huge on hockey, but if I had to, Wayne Gretzky is the great one. I respect his abilities and his skills and everything. Just, I'm from the South, so hey, sorry. Um, But Bo Jackson was just seriously one of the greatest athletes to ever step on any field, any court, any do any athletic thing possible, it was Bo. So for him to have his own cartoon was just really awesome. And I just remember watching it and loving it, man. It was awesome. Um, I watched maybe a couple episodes. It had that animation style that I don't like. It moved into that <coughs> later kind of fluff animation. I just didn't care for it. And plus, I think this was '90s. Yeah, and plus, um, like like you with Gretzky, Bo. I mean, I knew who he was. I mean, you couldn't not know who Bo Jackson was. I mean, commercials. Hell, if you've ever watched a Lethal Weapon movie, you know who Bo Jackson is. He's he's the he's on the commercial in that movie. Um, yeah, just it it was okay with me. Cool, cool. Now, all right. I so, saw a local oh. hall today, or the other day. Yeah, I was about to ask you about local halls. And I saw a nice one coming from your side of the field. So why don't you talk about that? Dude, all I found was only one comic, but a friend of mine on uh, the Comic Trip Support group page had found a Daredevil 184, and it was gorgeous. And uh, I was looking at Mike's and I was like, man, I really want a copy of my own. So I went on the eBay hunt and sure enough, 
I was able to win for eight dollars a Daredevil one eighty four. That uh, you know, it's not truly a local haul; it's just an eBay haul. But I was really excited to find me a Daredevil one eighty four in really really good condition. the The corners are beautiful. Um, I posted a picture on our Twitter, I believe. The only thing you can see if you zoom in. The the spine has a couple of wrinkles about middle ways on that left-hand side, you know, and I was like, eh, but I really think they can be flattened out eventually, and it is just a gorgeous-looking book. That's all I have this week. Now, that's what a do you Frank got? Miller book, correct? That is Frank Miller. That is Frank, the man, Miller. Now, is this, uh, what run is that? That's not the Born Again. That's later on, isn't it? <laughs> No, this it's is part of the. Is it part of the story? Electra dies. Yes. Yes. Okay. This is after. Um. This this cover always reminds me of, or or season two of Daredevil, the the TV show, reminded me of this cover when Punisher puts the gun in his hand, you know, and he's not gonna shoot him. So, you know, he breaks the chains, he uses the gun to break the chains, and then just goes on that another freaking stairwell spree of beating people down with that gun taped to his hand. And for some reason, that always reminds me of this cover. And I, I just love it. It's incredible. Yeah. As incredible as that scene was. Yeah, I mean, being uh, Frank Miller, you know, he his standalone panels like a like a cover panel, is just, you know, something to behold. That's why the guy's respected as much as he is. Um, and it's it's a very, very beautiful book. Um, my local hall is not got- so famous, but I got some good books for a good price. Um, I got Captain America, which, of course, in in this run of Captain America, it was Captain America and the Falcon. Uh, 191 and 215. Uh, Captain America 229, Fantastic Four number 193, and The Mighty Thor number 252. Now, these are all 70s books, and uh, I got them for a good deal. Once again, our our local guy uh, traded some stuff for this, and uh, I'm really happy with it. One of these is an orig- a retelling of the origin of uh, a Captain America, the 215. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's nice. They're all pretty nice condition. Nice, dude. Good local haul. Um, I was gonna say I don't know. Did it? I don't think it made it last week. Where we, if you hit us up with local haul, we we can give you a shout out and uh, you know shout out some of the books that we liked seeing. I know, uh, like I've said before, Chris Vint has. Send us some local hall. Stevie Robinson sent us some local hall. Mike Becker sent us some local hall. There's more. Oh, God, I'm going blank. There's more, but I have my phone turned off, so I cannot check it to check our Twitter. But if I've missed anybody, I'll hit you up next week. I promise. I apologize if I missed. But I just wanted to say... You know, it, that that if that's a cool incentive for you to hit us up with your local halls, then we have no problem doing that. And uh, I look forward to seeing everybody's 
Oklahoma. Anytime we get a tweet and I see that hashtag Oklahoma, I'm like, oh, what what somebody find? Because I'm always excited to see what other people find in different places. Yeah, absolutely. And it, that moves us to the question of the week, of every week, which is, have you seen it? And I already asked you this before the show, and I know your answer is no to mine. But I'll ask everybody else. Have you seen it? And when I say that, I mean no retreat, no rescind, no surrender. No, no receiver. No receiver. No retreat, no surrender. 1986 film, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And what it is, there's... Oh my goodness, I didn't write down... I wrote down JCVD and I didn't write down the other actor's name. <laughs> the story... The, Jean-Claude is actually the bad guy in this film. He is not the hero. Uh, he is a martial arts, you know, kickboxer. Uh, m- more martial arts fighter. And uh, I believe he's Ivan the Russian or something like that. I know it's very 80s stereotypical name but i think it's something like that and uh he's going up against uh a young kid who you know he he's just got it handed to him match after match after match well this kid is a huge bruce lee fan and i don't remember how it happened but one day while working out the ghost of bruce lee appears to him and starts training him to fight all right wait what are you kidding me no, I'm not. <laughs> it's awesome, dude. Oh and my God. Uh, by the by, the end of the training session, I just remember there's montage. He's doing like two finger push ups on a picnic table or something. I just remember that scene in my head. It is seriously, it's awesome. 80s cheese mixed with martial arts it is a fun film. Um, you will get to hear the line: "No retreat, no surrender." It's just a fun film. If you like martial arts, if you like eighties cheese, uh, you definitely need to see the movie. On IMDb, no there's only three people in the cast that have pictures: Kurt McKinney, who plays Jason Sitwell, your hero; yes. John Claude Van Damme, and a guy named Kent Lippum, who plays Scott. That's it. Everybody else has no picture. Dude, it doesn't matter. It is a fun movie. Oh you, you, other people may watch it and be like, this should have been on. Don't see it. But, dude, I like this film. Me and my brother used to watch this over and over and over again growing up. And I like No Retreat, No Surrender. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Well, my don't have you seen it is a Thanksgiving tradition at my house. Um, you know, just like people have certain Christmas movies they watch, there is a certain Thanksgiving movie I watch. Now, this is recent, probably in the past two or three years that I've started this, but I can't stop now. The movie is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Have you seen this? Awesome. Incredible movie. Two of the greatest comedy minds that we will ever see. Right, and the movie stars Steve Martin and John Candy, and of course, Steve Martin's trying to get home for Thanksgiving, and John Candy is impeding him at every possible opportunity. (laughs) Where's your hand between two pillows? Those aren't pillows! Oh, so good. It's just an incredible movie. 
Oh my god. The uh, the amount of comedy in that movie is just off the charts. Uh Steve Martin plays such a good character and John Candy unwittingly I mean if you ever wonder where Chris Farley got his ideas for Chris Farley, all you have to do is watch a John Candy film and you're like, well, I know where he got his inspiration from because John Candy is incredible. I well, love that. I got now you it. have to remember, this is a this is a John Hughes film. I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. you know, it, it's that kind of film. I mean, just you could see him all over this movie. The best scene of the movie is... Is the car between the two semis? <laughs> yes. Where uh, Steve Martin is convinced that John Candy's trying to kill him, and he and they they're talking on the road. They're going on the wrong side of the road, and they don't notice until two semis are coming straight at them. They split them in two, and they're like the semis are scraping the side of the car, and like John, Steve Martin looks over at John Candy, and John Candy's like wearing this devil costume, going ah. And then, like, so it's a whole montage of them going through, and, like, at one point, they're both skeletons screaming, and... Uh. Oh, great movie. Excellent movie. Now, now, if you want me to see this, what don't you want me to see this week? Uh, you, you probably smelled this one from the moment I typed it. RoboJocks, 1989. Oh, so bad. Me being a young I child mean, and and loving robots and transforming robots and fighting robots, that movie about fighting robots. Oh yeah, you, great, great, absolutely, give it to me. <laughs> after after we rented it, I was like, take it back, take it back, please. Even as a kid, you knew it was bad stuff. Oh god, it was horrible, horrible animation. It's not even. It's like a modern sci-fi movie. I mean, it's just bad. Sci-fi channel. It's just bad. It's like how Roger Corman did it or something. Oh, that's terrible. Robot jocks. Or robo jocks. Ugh. All right. If you don't have any more horrible things to say about robo jocks, I will move to my don't see it, which for some reason I was on a roll. I was flipping through a page. It's another Jean-Claude Van Damme film. Only this one is 1994's Time Cop. And I still say this is a horrible movie. You don't need to waste your time on it. I know a lot of people could probably say that about a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme films. But this one just sticks out in my head because I think I've seen it in the theaters. Uh, I went with a friend to see it in the theaters. And I just remember, even, even in the theater, I was thinking, this is a horrible movie. Oh, well, at least I'm not home. But there are time travel is a thing, and Jean-Claude Van Damme is a time cop. Well, he realizes that there's a politician that is in power or trying to get in power. I can't remember which way it is that is sending his men, his thugs, his followers, whatever, back in time to change things for the betterment of him and his people, obviously. That's what everybody's ambition would be if time travel was real, is to go back and make things better for themselves. And it's up to the one and only Jean-Claude Van Damme to stop them. And you do not need to see this movie. It is terrible. It's just terrible, as Charles Barkley would say. 
You are wrong, sir. This is a you, great, this is a great movie. <laughs> you like it? <laughs> Only ironically. Um, like his his boss and friend in the movie. I like that guy. Um, uh, you got uh oh, who's the girlfriend? Cause she's she's smoking. Um, Ron Silver plays the bad guy. The way the way they take him out is just idiotic. Like the like the principal, just a, a principle of physics. Two objects can't occupy the same place at the same time. Yes, and they completely screw up what that means in that movie, and it's just off putting. But the rest yeah, of the movie's push, okay. They push them into each other. Yeah, yeah. They can't touch. Well, they're. They're standing there beside each other. Why can't they touch? Oh, the two two things can't be at the same place at the same time. No, that means a physical uh, an apple can't be the same place as an orange at the exact same place at the exact same time. Not yes. an apple from the past. Um. Anyway, it's got to be your apple. <laughs> what if it's your dog? Um. It, it's okay. It's just one of those '90s movies. I had fun with it. Oh, yeah. You said dog. As we wrap up the show, let me just say. uh, I know Rick's not. Rick says he's a dog person, but his family is not. But I will say somebody dropped two little puppies in our neighborhood, a couple of little sisters in our neighborhood, and we now have a new member of our family. We have, according to the vet, an Australian Shepherd Rottweiler named Harley Quinn. And uh, at 10 weeks old, she is almost 20 pounds. And, and she will totally outweigh my other two dogs in, in just a few months. I, I cannot wait to see how big this dog gets. But the cool thing is, is my son... My two-year-old son has dragged her around by her head. He pokes her. She bites him. They both cry and yelp together. I want them to grow up together and be best friends so that she'll be his little protector. You know, Australian Shepherds are loyal, and it doesn't get much more fierce than a Rottweiler. So we're going to have her properly trained and let them be best friends and so we'll see how this new member of our family works out. But that's about it for me this week. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Maynard98. You can find both of us on Twitter at Not So Southern G's. You can find. Rick, let's hear it. You can find me at Ricky Westbrook on Twitter. You can search Facebook Not So Southern Gentlemen. And do not forget Ford. that we have added a YouTube. We had a YouTube channel, but we are adding our past episodes to YouTube. So if you, that's a preferred way you want to do that, there it is. Absolutely. That will be awesome. Ricky is putting in a lot of time and effort going back. He's pulling down all the audio. He's uploading them with... It'll be strictly audio on YouTube, but you can now go create your YouTube playlist... Throw it on your phone. A lot of, I know YouTube has no problem running in backgrounds. A lot of apps have 
well, this audio runs in the background and this audio doesn't. But if you want to listen to some old episodes of the podcast or just stay tuned for the new ones, we're working on getting them caught up. And uh, that it's really cool. We're excited that we have the ability to be on YouTube and we enjoy it. For Not So Southern Gentlemen, I'm Sean. And I'm Ricky. Your soul is mine.